The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. They're tangling in the back of the pack. Here they come off four. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroote was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers download. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? Where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. Presented by Crosley. Amplify your style. Here are your hosts, Taylor Burris and Justin Prince. Welcome to another episode of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. I'm your host, Taylor Burris. Alongside me is my partner in crime, Justin Prince. Our producer tonight, of course, is the great Richard Colbreth. And I got to say, Justin, we have another star-studded lineup of drivers who are going to be competing in our special of the 2022 E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series class. And we got ourselves a brand new competitor, a rookie actually getting ready to compete in the 2022 E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. Kyle Peddle joins us. And Justin, seeing his talents during the Road to Pro as well as the Contender Series was a amazing drive for him and he joins us here live and kyle welcome to the show hey guys how's it going it's uh, gonna be a fun show glad to be uh be on here well kyle let's first talk about this you know you've been on iRacing for a little bit of time but what made you want to get involved with iRacing and sim racing to be able to make your way through the ranks to make it to the top echelon of iRacing oh man it's uh so it's gonna be kind of two parts for this so i joined uh back in 2011 for iRacing, I kind of grew up on the NR2003 scene and uh, kind of excelled at that, mostly did offline stuff there, and then um, was able to be fortunate enough to be paired up with a bunch of good guys growing up through the iRacing ranks, and then uh, about probably about four or five years ago, I kind of had to step away because uh, my career uh, kind of took off with uh, flying that I wasn't able to really do iRacing as much as I wanted to do, and then... Uh, with the pandemic, it uh, kind of came back full circle. I uh, met up with a couple friends again that I used to race with. Kind of talked to them. I was like, hey, you guys cool if I uh, come back and join with you guys? And they welcomed me back open arms and kind of decided from there that I was going to make a run at it and was just fortunate enough, right place, right time, great group of guys, great setups underneath us, and was able to make an actual run. And you certainly were able to, and what an astonishing run as well through your run of the Roads Pro Series as well as up into the Contender Series. We have to talk a little bit about, I mean, you won, of course, the second split in the race one at Dover in 2021. You finished 13th in the points in both the first and second round, 16th in there, and then wound up with a top 10 finish in the Contender Series. Talk to us about the difficulty, especially for a driver who's a rookie when it comes to this style of championship competition, to be able to work their way through and be able to compete in this echelon, knowing the fact that there are some very well-known drivers that have been able to compete and not even make it even past the first round. I think it kind of goes both ways. Uh, one, there's not a lot of pressure on me coming in. Uh, I think it really helps me that a lot of people don't remember who I was in terms of being able to have a lot of pace and uh, just overall knowing, I guess, kind of how the sim was back in the day where you would always be signing into these races 
and you'd be racing against the Schoenbergs, you'd be racing against the Alfalas, the Davies, all these guys. So you kind of got used to running around fast guys. So that kind of helped me in a way coming back to this. I think the problem that I had to navigate was definitely dealing with the pressure in terms of I wasn't really used to running big races where I had to be there 100% mentally. You know, you kind of do your C opens, your B opens, your A opens, where you could be there mentally 75% and still get away with, you know, winning a race or finishing top five. But definitely, like, what I noticed is through the rounds, definitely the competition picked up and the intensity picked up. So when I moved from round two into the contender series, I was already kind of used to the pressure, but I think some of the new stuff that I had to navigate was, you know, qualifying on the pole for the first time, leading laps for the first time, just making sure that I was, you know, 100% there mentally. And the main thing that you bring up is that you started off with your ride race career in the early days of the service before coming back to what is essentially the modern day, the today today, so to speak. But there's so much in turn that, People seem to not realize about you. Like, for example, your name may or may not be listed in the credits still for something called iRacing Friday Night Showdown. You've actually been a broadcaster at one point. Is that correct? That is correct. You're, uh, you've really done your homework there. I appreciate that. You know, that's even something that I forgot. But yeah, I did, uh, I did broadcasting. I think it was, oh, I want to say 2012 or 2013. I did a little bit of broadcasting. And if I remember correctly, I think that's actually where I met Evan Basoko. So you've known Evan since the very beginning, too, then? Yeah, he probably doesn't remember me. and I, I might be getting my names mixed up, but I, I think that I was actually broadcasting with him for a little bit on that Friday Night Showdown. It's interesting how far things go back in turn, then, with that experience in turn. How, in turn, did those connections come into play with Dead Zone Racing to make the run for Road to Pro? Because, and to be quite frank, I don't think many people knew you were running for them until the second round if not the contender series yeah like i kind of used that to my advantage so kind of how it worked out for me was um i knew back in the day i knew cody bias dylan duvall justin bolton and a bunch of guys that kind of moved over to the dead zone uh racing team so when i came around i kind of talked to cody and he was in the midst of transitioning from another team to dead zone and i kind of just messaged him i said hey like are you able to put a good name in for me and he did that and i was fortunate enough to be able to come on board with the dead zone guys so you know i was definitely like i said it's right place right time and fortunate to have the things happen the the, the way that they did so how difficult was it during that whole process keep in mind to try and manage try to run to make the nascar Co-I Racing Series schedule for 2022 while also being a pilot for Porter Airlines. So, like, I'm fortunate that I'm able to build my schedule around sim racing. Um, I'm able to balance both of them pretty well right now. Um, it definitely gives me the ability and the option to practice a lot more than I know a lot of people do that get to unfortunately have to deal with the real, uh, the normal nine to five job because. For me, it's I, you know, I work a couple days here, I work a couple days there, and then I get a long stretch off where I'm actually able to put my head down and really uh, get into the uh, swing of practicing and uh, and you know, just making sure that everything's uh, where it needs to be. Indeed, and in turn, 
2022 is also just so happy to be the essential reset year with the next gen car. What's been that preparation been like knowing everybody's basically on square one? So, like, the preparation that kind of goes into this stuff for us, we haven't really overly started yet because uh, NASCAR has kind of come out with a new package with reducing the, the downforce and adding some horsepower. So, unfortunately, with the package that iRacing has in coalition with uh, NASCAR, we haven't really been able to dive too far into it yet. Um, I, I guess for everybody, it definitely makes the playing field a lot closer. Um but all it's going to really take is somebody's going to find something setup wise that's going to put them miles ahead of somebody else. And it's just, unfortunately, when you're dealing with this level of racing, uh, it doesn't matter if it's real world or sim racing, is somebody's going to find something no matter what. And then the rest of us have to play catch up. Well, we one thing we have to also talk about is, of course, a bunch of new teams have also gotten involved with the E-NASCAR. A lot of new drivers and a lot of new faces coming into the ranking. Kyle, your thoughts on going up against some of these drivers who you've been battling in the Contender Series, as well as the rest of the field who are going to come out here and put on the show. Of course, a lot of different things coming into play, like you pointed out, the new car. A little bit of a different schedule that we're used to. We're going to be actually utilizing the dirt at Bristol for the first time in the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series this season. Your thoughts on how this entire season will be compared to other seasons in the past? Well, you know, you guys mentioned a bunch, a bunch of new of us uh, that are coming into the series. You know, yeah, are we new coming into the series? Yes. Are we new to the racing world? No. Uh, I've been racing against a lot of these guys through, you know, round one, round two, the contender series and stuff like that. You kind of, you kind of get a quick sense of how people race around each other. Now, for me, I kind of have to get away from the starstruckness of, of coming into the Coke series and, and, you know, the whole quote unquote circus that follows it with, you know, racing against Keegan or racing against Ray or all these, uh, you know, superstars of the, uh, of the iRacing world. Um, in terms of schedule wise, I like it. Uh, there's definitely some good ones for me. Uh, definitely dirt Bristol. I'm excited for that. I've usually done pretty well with the dirt scene. Um, but I definitely think that there's going to be some wild cards there. You know, we got new Atlanta coming up that I think that's what iRacing wants us to be on is the new configuration. So we all don't know how that's going to race. It's going to either race like a super speedway or it's going to race like a mile and a half. So uh, like I said, it's just it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out over the season one thing to keep in mind as we work our way through kyle before we let you go and get ready for the new season where can people go to follow you for this amazing season up ahead and keep track of your career so if people want to follow me it's uh on twitter it's uh flower underscore pedal um best place to keep up with me as i start posting stuff with uh in terms of team announcements or just Overall, what I'm kind of doing in my day-to-day -day life with sim racing or even my real-world uh, uh, life with flying. Well, Kyle, we appreciate your time. Good luck to you as we get ready for the new season coming up. And coming up after the break, we have ourselves joining us, Bobby Zelensky and Vicente Salas. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Justin Taylor Burris here, along with Justin Prince and our producer Richard Colbreth, as we are joined by Bobby Zelensky, who 
originally was driving for Latart Esports last season in 2021, but this time he goes to a brand new team as he joins Real Fella with Joe Gibbs Racing. And as we welcome Bobby here to the show, Bobby, I got to say, it was a very interesting announcement made with you joining Joe Gibbs, but your thoughts on joining this very well-known team in the eNASCAR business. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, it's it's good to be back. Uh, I got drafted uh, here 2019 uh, when we had our like initial draft, basically, to, to set all the, the new teams. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited to be back with Interstate Batteries as well. We had a good year in 2019. We had a couple wins. We fought for a championship. And, uh, you know, I, I did go into uh, this offseason kind of thinking I would probably stay at Latart, being that would be the best offer I get. And, uh, yeah, Joe Gibbs Racing surprised me uh, and, and gave me a really good offer. And uh, I had to take it. Yeah, I was about to ask what opened the door for that return there. What is the kind of thoughts on now being back with Ray Fell essentially under the Joe Gibbs Racing banner to try and work there? Because if I remember correctly, the team championship side of things went very well that year. Yeah, me and Ray were 2020 teammates, and we were on Team VRS, and uh, yeah, we, we ran away with it, which we thought we would have a good shot of that year, um, being that, you know, it's just based on like a whole season of points, and uh, we're both pretty good at getting points, so I think we have a good shot again this year. Um, yeah, there's a lot of unknowns with new car, but uh, yeah, that's another thing that's exciting about being a part of the team is I'm back with Ray, and I know we can win a team title because we've done it before. Of course, though, this season, Bobby, expect to be a very different one with the next-gen car. And for a lot of drivers, still essentially the holding pattern of when will the updated aero package be on the platform? Your opinion on racing the next-gen car, though, for this upcoming season, albeit with a bit shorter distances compared to last year. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the shorter distances, which um, we'll see how that works out. You know, who knows? Maybe it'll make it more exciting and better. Um, like I, I feel like I'm more of a long, longer race kind of guy, but uh, we'll see. Uh, that I think that's much bigger than the car. To me, like the car is the car. Like I don't know, I drive all kinds of different cars and different styles. Like it's just a car. It it has the things you need to find in it to be fast. And I feel like it's, you know, it's it feels like a GT car more than anything. Um, if you want to say like the differences between the the old car and this one is is feels kind of like a GT car. A lot of that's the diffuser um, and just, yeah, independent rear suspension and all that. So it's it's a different style, but at the end of the day, it's it's a car and you figure out, like, exactly how to drive it and all that stuff. Um, the, the big questions for me will be, like, how much can you really change the way it handles in the setup or does everybody have to drive the exact same? Um, and, you know, hopefully there's some some wiggle room in it where you have long run and short run cars because i feel like that's one of the most like important things about the series the coke series is that like we have different setups from each other so like you'll see some guys fast on the short run and fast on the long run and depending on how the cautions fall like you know you'll have a different winner just makes it more exciting so we'll see how the setup goes with it because so far i don't love what i see in terms of like different stuff you can do to it so it's it's a lot of unknowns, but I know I'll be fine as a driver. A reference he does, Bobby Zelensky does, should say, do the uh, data pack, so to speak, for the virtual racing school when it comes to the ne- some of the next-gen side of things. But I do have to ask the quick question, Bobby. 
you mentioned the feeling of more of a GT machine, essentially with how it drives. Do you feel that gives you a potential advantage? Why or why not compared to the others since you have a lot of road racing experience? Yeah, I don't know. Like the the thing that really is tricky is you can't, if you get just a little too pitched, like you, you can't have these things pitched like you're used to seeing. Like when you look at the cars from above, say in a corner, like the left rear is way off the yellow line and your left front's on the yellow line, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, it's pitched. You can't really do that with these cars because if you do it a little too much, you lose all your rear downforce because the diffuser stops working. Um, so then you get you get basically all the aero load on the front of the car and it's it's dying loose. So like from that perspective, I mean, even in real life, you're, you're going to see some self-spin sometimes just from barely overdriving it or you're going to see someone almost lose it but you can't drive through it anymore. Like you used to, you could, I don't know if you'll really see any drifting, like to save a car or something like you see from some guys that just get clipped in an accident, but they save it. it it's, it's really, um, it feels like an indie car at that point where it's almost like impossible to save and you're just along for the ride. So, um, yeah, that's, I think that's the main thing. Where can fans keep an eye on you and follow along with social media? Yeah. I'm, pretty much known as Bobby Zelensky on all my all the social media platforms that are relevant. Um, and yeah, pretty much simple as that. Well, congratulations once again on being back under the Joe Gibbs Gaming banner. We'll see how you do in 2022, Bobby. 10-4. That's Bobby Zelensky, driver of the number 18 machine for this season for Joe Gibbs Gaming in the 2022 eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series and its campaign. When we come back, Vicente Salas standing by with him about 2022 as well. You're listening to the iRacers download on the Speedsport Podcast Network presented by Crosswood Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers download on the Speedsport Podcast Network presented by Crosswood Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Justin Prince, Taylor Burris, Richard Colbreth with you as we continue our preview of 2022 eNASCAR competition by speaking to one of the drivers He's already had his team announcement, and it just so happens to be with a very close friend to him. Vicente Salas is now driving for Williams Esports as of 2022. He now joins us on the iRacers download. Vicente, first things first, congrats on being under the Williams banner for this campaign. Second, congrats as well to be able to work with a driver you have a close connection with and Donovan Strauss. How are you feeling about the new season? Uh, thank you. Thank you again very much for bringing me on here. I'm excited to be here. And uh, honestly, I am so, so excited. You know, me and Donovan have worked very closely together. We've been very, very close friends for a super long time now. And to finally be able to work together with him and, you know, at the top level of eNASCAR Sim Racing, I, I couldn't be more grateful to have this opportunity. So how did the opportunity for you to go to Williams? Because when we spoke with Donovan, it hadn't been announced yet, but there were the potential possibility of connections between you two. How did that connection come to be with Williams? Um, you know, I kind of just got messaged out of the blue and uh, everything kind of came together and, and worked out. And obviously they were they were able to bring Donovan on too. I think just, just from our connection and the way we had worked together, they kind of saw that and they saw the value in that. And I'm honestly glad they did. So, And it's, Expected to be an interesting season in turn, Vicente, because you had a very stellar rookie campaign. The race that comes to mind, leading every single lap at Richmond in particular, a very dominant performance at that time. Now, 
a chance to try and back that up and have a chance at a championship. Your thoughts for season two and what you feel you can improve upon for the season. I think, uh, you know, everything that I've taken from last season and, and the biggest thing being um, just to race others the way they race me. You know, I, I think I was a little too nice out there on the track uh, in many different situations where, you know, the give and take wasn't really returned back to me. And this year, I, I think I'm just going to go in hard, race really tough, and uh, just kind of see what happens. You know, we know we have the speed. We kind of have some of the experience now. And I think, honestly, if we put it all together, that we'll have a, a very good chance at the championship. One of the things that comes to mind in that regard, quickly, Vicente, I want to jump on on that point is Bristol comes to mind because you had a, a lot of bumping and banging with two particular drivers then. Your thoughts from back then compared to how to try and handle the approach you just alluded to for 2022. I mean, I think honestly, if I was to go back and redo that situation right now, I just would have done a better job of moving them out of the way. I mean, when we're there racing for a championship and we've got one main guy just like sitting in the way, you know, knowing what's at stake for me, I would hope that with all the give and take that I had given him prior earlier in the season, that he would have returned it to me, especially in that type of situation. But seeing how people treat it and seeing how people are, you know, I'll, I'll do the same thing. You know, I can play that game. So I'm, I'm, I'm fully ready. Well, take a look also at what we have ahead of us for this season. Of course, we kick off the season opener as well at the L.A. Coliseum on February 1st. We also have the addition, of course, the newly configured Atlanta, Dover, Worldwide Technology, and Nashville for the first time, will make his way over into the E-NASCAR competition with the season finale happening at Phoenix. Your thoughts on some of these new additions, your thoughts on how this could improve some of the racing that we will see in the 2022 season compared to what we maybe saw last season with the Gen 6 cars? Honestly, I think the next gen will bring some great racing. I mean, we've already seen, um, if some of y'all have tuned into the ERA races. Um, Auto Club was quite interesting. It was really packed up. And honestly, my favorite of, of all of those was the next-gen race at Bristol. And I think that the car, especially if the track is done up correctly, it allows for people to really move around and find where that grip's at and find where the speed's at. So with the new addition of you know Atlanta, Phoenix, Nashville, and all these tracks that could be super multi-groove, I think it's going to be awesome to see people moving around. What do you think going into 2022 would maybe be the biggest surprise coming out of this championship at the end when all of a sudden done, everyone has finished out the season? What do you think would be that big defining moment that everyone's going to look back on, whether it be a driver, a certain race, or a certain situation that nobody really thought of when it comes to this season? Um. I mean, I, I think we're going to see a lot of new winners, to be honest. You know, with how this car drives, I think it brings everyone so much closer than it was last season. And if y'all remember last season, I mean, the field wasn't separating more than five or six seconds over a run. So I think there will be some very standout winners. And I think you're going to see a lot of rookies get to victory lane with how competitive pro was. Well, Vicente, as we come to a close on this interview, where can people go to learn more about your career this season? You're working with Williams Esports, as well as people can follow and watch you compete in this season. So I'm actually going to be doing the 24 Hours of Daytona with Garrett Mains. I'll be streaming it live to my Twitch, which is twitch.tv forward slash Vicente Salas 14. 
He'll also be streaming it on twitch.tv forward slash Garrett Mains Racing. Uh, if y'all want to keep up with me and what I'm up to, head over to my Twitter, which is also, I think, Vicente underscore Salas14, and then my Instagram, which is Vicente.Salas14. Well, we appreciate your time. That is Vicente Salas driving for Williams Esports in the 2022 eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series Championship. Coming up after the break, we speak with 2019 eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series Champion Zach Novak joins us live here on the iRacers Download presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back as we are here once again on the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. We're joined now by our one of our final guests of the evening. He is the 2019 eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series champion and coming back once again to team up with none other than his teammate, of course, Jimmy Mullis, but with a different team name this time as he is now part of Rise Esports. It's driver of the number five, Zach Novak, joins us here on the iRacers Download. And Zach, I first got to approach you on this question, especially with this major announcement from Richmond Raceway Esports coming on board and now the change over to Rise. How big of a change as well as a excitement could be with the new team name as well as this new opportunity to work with a new esports team? Man, it's it's really exciting. You know, it's you know, that's the, that's the easy answer, right? Is, is I'm excited for it, but genuinely, um, you know, I'm just really excited to, to kind of keep some of that Richmond raceway esports and chaos crew, um, history, you know, involved with it. Uh, we, you know, we, we still have some people that we've, we've worked with, um, in the past at Richmond raceway. So, um, you know, it, it's it's a similar situation to what we were in, just a little different. Um, you know, some different stuff here, or different things here and there, I should say. Um, but overall, man, I'm I'm just very very happy with my current situation. I'm very excited and uh, ready to get the season going. And it's all interesting in turn how the decisions were made. In turn, it seems for the rebranding, I would say, more so in this. What was kind of the process like finding out? Okay. It's going from Richmond Raceway Esports and running Toyotas to Rise Esports running Chevrolets. What was that process like with you and Jimmy? Yeah, so uh, we kind of, to be to be quite honest with you, we we honestly didn't even expect Richmond Raceway to have a team last year. Um, but that's a whole different story for another day. But um, you know that that kind of happened last minute. So. Um, you know, we, we came into last year really excited about it and, you know, happy to just have them back. And, um, and that's, uh, you know, a lot of stuff changed, a lot of personnel changed, and um, it just didn't really seem to make sense for Richmond Raceway to, to keep their involvement in the series. Um, I know Dennis over at Richmond Raceway is very, very supportive of, of our series, but um, I think just from a personnel standpoint, it didn't really make sense to, to continue for them. So, um, they handed it off to, you know, the Rise Esports guys. And, um, you know, there, there's people, the, the people running Rise Esports, I should say, are, um, you know, people that have, have worked with Richmond Raceway in the past. So, um, yeah, uh, again, like I said, it, we kind of figured it was coming sooner or later. Um, we just didn't really know when exactly. And, then, um, probably about halfway through the year with all the personnel changes happening at Richmond Raceway. Um, 
you know, we figured it was probably going to happen come the end of this year. So, um, you know, and then when it comes to the, the manufacturer change, um, you know, we, we obviously didn't really have any ties to any manufacturer at that point, uh, you know, not being affiliated with Richmond Raceway anymore. So, um, they just kind of asked us like what our, what our preference was. And, uh, you know, Jimmy's got his own Chevy Camaro and in, in real life. So that was his preference. And then I, I, quite honestly just it didn't bother me which one we were in so um that that's kind of where chevy came from it wasn't anything specific touch you know just the preference thing okay so just to be clear this is a completely separate entity now than richmond raceway esports correct yeah so to, to to put it simply um we we are just expand or, or we're moving forward so we we want to keep like the same history of richmond raceway and it's it's going from richmond Ra richmond raceway to rise esports but all but like two or three people are different so it's it's very hard to explain but it, it's basically just like a like an uh an extension of it basically gotcha especially since with the driver announcement, it was made clear the history they wanted to build that bridge between Richmond Raceway Esports, but also the Chaos Crew, because lots of people don't remember this. There was support from the track with the Chaos Crew, stretching back prior to the year of that draft a few years ago for the NASCAR Coca-Cola Racing Series. But in turn, your number represents one of the drivers from said crew, Mike Conti. Your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um you know we we had talked about it um a, a number change um you know be, because we don't we're not necessarily tied to Richmond Raceway anymore obviously we want to keep the history like i like i've already mentioned but um you know that's kind of where the 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 number 46 comes into play um so i i had kind of thought about a number change and um you know Junie the reason we run the we ran the number 90 for Richmond was, um, you know, a, he's a Richmond legend. And, um, you know, obviously that number means a lot to that, that city and, uh, you know, that state in general, I'd say. So, um, you know, I, I was very, very honored to run that number, but <clears throat> I thought, um, you know, honestly, it was just, it, it was a good opportunity to change. Um, it was, it was a good time to change. Um, and I, I just, something about me, I've, I've always been a, a sucker for, uh, you know, low numbers or single digit numbers. Um, so just something about it just sounded very intriguing to me and, and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to change. And then, you know, we were talking about what number to go with and, um, we, we wanted like a storyline, right? We didn't want to just change to, to change. You know, we, we wanted a reason. And, um, so I started kind of thinking about it and, and the number five just made sense. You know, it's the fifth year of, it's the fifth year of the team. Um, granted it, it's been under different names and different, you know, leadership. Um, but still it's the same roots. Um, and then, you know, one of the first guys to, to join in on that chaos crew was, was Michael Conti. Um, and he drove the five for them. So it just, it just kind of made sense. And then I have some personal ties to it as well. Um, you know, like I mentioned in my tweet yesterday, 
uh you know my dad got into racing uh helping his friend uh you know who raced north uh late models around the northeast up here and um he sponsored his car i believe and and helped him quite a bit um and without him i wouldn't be here today so um yeah it's just it, it just felt right you know it just it just was the right time the right opportunity and and i'm very very excited for it definitely interesting to hear a lot of the backstory involving that and i'm just curious on this as well did michael have any idea that you end up running the number five because it seemed in his tweet reaction he seemed very touched by the gesture um no i actually i i probably should have reached out to him to be honest with you um that's uh, i i didn't so that probably um would have been better if i reached out to him but i i don't think he would have like told me no or anything like that obviously it just more so would have been um to kind of let him know because i know that's that's a number that means a lot to him so um but yeah i i you know i'm I'm gonna try and represent it as as well as i can for him and and uh you know the only other driver to drive the number five i believe was um matt busa who's um obviously teammates with conti so it's never really been outside of you know conti's circle per se so um you know i'm I'm gonna try and, and represent it well and you know make sure it make sure it keeps its success well zach we gotta ask you right quick you know we look ahead to this new crop of drivers coming up into this 2022 season your thoughts on the new crop of drivers coming in some of the rookies as well as some of the returning drivers that will be making their way and their once again return into this championship as well as anything that you've noticed that maybe has piqued your interest as far as what you might look forward to in this season yeah well i mean the the easy thing to talk about is my teammates you know uh, obviously being with jimmy and rise esports but you know our, our setup building team lockdown racing um taylor and and briar worked really really hard it was just them two through the contender series um and pretty much just them through them two uh with some help from other guys uh and mike finlayson through uh round two and, and briar did extremely well through both of those series and and set himself up really good for uh his inaugural season so um, and then, you know, with two races left, I believe, uh, we brought in Donovan Strauss, who's, you know, probably the best up-and-comer on, on service right now. So um, I'm just very excited to work with them, to get all of them involved. And, um, and then I think on top of that, you know, the guys that we're going to be competing against, I think there's a lot of interesting rookies. Um, I love how they're, uh, you know, going to do a Rookie of the Year battle. Uh, this year, um, uh, you know, kind of give give a little bit of a incentive, I guess you could say. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm I I think it's definitely gonna be really competitive, probably more competitive than last year. And uh, I think you know a lot of those rookies are gonna be a big part of that. You know, a lot of the guys that that haven't quite had the opportunity to race in this series yet are um are definitely going to be, you know, pushing to, to make a statement and make themselves. Well, Zach, before we come to a close on this interview here, where can people go to follow you for 2022 as whether it be streaming on social media or any other platform to keep up with you 
as well as Rise Esports, as well as also the rest of your team with the Chaos Crew. Yeah, uh, obviously Rise Esports on Twitter, uh, at Rise Esports. Um, I'm on Twitter at Xenovac15. All of my other socials are, I don't really use them much, so um, I won't really bother with that. But um, yeah, I mainly use Twitter. Uh, so does so does Rise Esports. So that's, that's the place to find us. Um, like I said, just really, really excited for the season. Uh, thanks to, you know, Sunoco and, and all of our partners uh, for making it happen and ready, ready to get rolling. We look forward to seeing what you can do in 2022 as we get ready to kick off the season at the LA Coliseum at the 1st of February. As we know, that is Zach Novak, our 2019 eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series champion, back at it once again to try to go for number two with a championship. Coming up after the break, it's the news of the week. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Taylor Burris here along back with Justin Prince and Richard Colbreth, our producer, as we are hitting the news of the week. And first things first, Justin, it's time to get down and dirty as, of course, none other than the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car iRacing World Championship was back at it once again, this time at the virtual Fairbury American Legion Speedway. And I got to say, watching that championship race, of course, seeing Evan C.V., holding on for a very good race towards the end of that race, leading 18 laps, shows that he has what it takes to maybe challenge a couple people for this championship. But this race was not without its chaos and also other issues that arose during this championship race. Well, Taylor, it's an understatement and a half what you just said when it comes to C, because he dominated the first third of the race. Guess who dominated the second third? Cameron Merriman, who needed a good points day. Here's the thing, Alex Bergeron had technical issues and fell several laps down. It nearly, the championship lead and potentially a near clinch scenario, Taylor, fell into Cameron Merriman's lap. And then coming to the white flag, he hit the wall coming out of turn four and flipped the car upside down. He only gained a couple points at all on Alex Bergeron. I remember Chase Rumman and I were both stunned in the booth because... He had a race win secured, and he did exactly the same thing Hayden Caldwell did in his heat in the same position with the amount of track wear already put in, essentially, where if you ran too hard on the cushion through three and four, you could hit the outside wall and it would flip you over. In that case, Merriman got an even more violent version of that hit, and in turn, it may have just cost Merriman a chance at the championship, realistically, because it depends really on how both of them now do head-to-head the next race. Merriman, essentially, if he kept a clean tailor, could have really secured his de- own destiny by about 40-50 point advantage. Instead, Evan C. took the victory after being able to dodge the trouble. Tower Ducharme, who was in the midst of a relegation battle. Second, Rumsey, Brighton Shoot, Brighton Eiler at the top five. How big was that trouble, though, Taylor? Merriman down four points now to Bergeron. He could have been up by a massive amount if he didn't crash in all of that from both of them have allowed James Edens to be right back in the picture within 20 points. It's now a three driver fight for the championship because of a topsy turvy span of about 10, 15 minutes. 
And that's what we love about the world of Outlaw. It is full of chaos. These drivers are definitely the outlaws of the virtual iRacing world. Of course, they still have a few more races, though, before we crown a championship. As we know, the next time we see the iRacing World of Outlaws NUS Energy Drink Sprint Car drivers will be back at the Weed Sports Speedway for its penultimate round of its season. And as you pointed out, Cameron Merriman took home his first win in the series there last year. So we'll see what Cameron Merriman and his Merriman of crew members can be able to accomplish at the next round, as we will see next Monday night on both iRacing social media platforms and on Dirt Vision Monday at 9 p.m. From the World of Outlaws, we now go to the D-Box E-NASCAR International Series as it returns to action as it goes north of the border of the United States to Canada to Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. And it was none other than Israel's own Alan Day who dominated, led from start to finish here in this championship. And I got to say, watching the NASCAR Euro Series driver put on a dominating performance, Justin, was a phenomenal run. A lot of drivers tried to see if they could try and challenge it, but there was no stopping Alan Day as he held on a 10.6 second lead over Tobias Donnery who is sitting in second place in his Ford. And then, of course, Victor Varalis and Trayton Lapsevich round out your top four. It was good to see a couple of drivers work their way up through the field, but I got to say, watching Alon was a exciting but yet a dominant victory in this race. Here's how dominant the day was for Alon Day. When he came to the practice session, this is the final warm-up for the race. He recorded just one lap. He set the fastest time in the session. He went for qualifying. Immediately set the fastest time in the session. In the race, no one could even touch him with a 10-second lawn pole in terms of racetrack distance. Tobias Dowenhauer, in turn, just couldn't keep up in that pace, but was looking very comfortable in turn with that 10-second buffer yes to first, but an 8-second buffer back to Morales. The fun, though, began really from third on back because Lapsovich did a really good job bouncing back from some struggles early on in the practices. Morales scratched and clawed his way into the top three after starting the back end of the top ten. Alex de Alba also quietly had a strong race. Give credit as well to a few other drivers like Raja Karuk because there is a championship for this series, Taylor. He needed to pick up some points late and picked up two to three spots in the final ten laps or so in part with the different strategies coming into play, to hold on to the points lead by two points over Victor Barales by the end, 71-69 to 69 between the two drivers. Lapsovich also in that championship fight. It was an intriguing one, but it also showcased the drivers who did their homework and their preparation were the ones who did the very best. Because if you did your preparation, you knew that you can make it on a no-stop. You didn't need to pit for fuel. Some of the drivers did, and while a few of them did make up some of the spots, Taylor, drivers like uh, like the number eight machine with Simon Blotti, as well as Aaron Cozio, they just couldn't fully close up the gap they lost as a result of pitting. So it was an intriguing race with strategy, but also intriguing how some of the drivers would race against one another. 
It certainly is. And of course, for Alain Day, we're heading to another course that he is very well quite familiar with, with the NASCAR Euro Series, as they head to Circuit Zolder in Belgium, a track that's well known as part of the of the NASCAR Euro Series for sure. And he will definitely be one to watch to see. He currently sits eighth in the points. I'm pretty sure another strong performance like what we saw from him at Canadian Tire will definitely propel him further up into the point standings, and you can catch the action of every single round of the D-Box E-NASCAR International iRacing Series presented by Digital Motorsports on Saturdays at 12 p.m. for the remainder of the season. They have a couple of more rounds left in this championship, but it's going to be exciting to say nonetheless. But as more NASCAR news is needed to be talked about, the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series has released their 2022 schedule. We touched briefly on it as well with our interviews with some of our E-NASCAR drivers and some of the biggest talking points in this championship, Justin, the LA Coliseum, Atlanta Motor Speedway, Bristol Dirt, Dover, Worldwide Technology Raceway, Nashville, and for the first time in its history, Phoenix will conclude the championship on October 25th. Your thoughts on this schedule and what were some of the surprises that you saw in this championship? Well, Blake McCandless and I did talk about this in the last episode a little bit, but I didn't give too many of my thoughts. It's it's a good schedule in terms of the track selection. I'll give it that, Taylor, because I like the diversity. I like the different types of racetracks expected for the schedule. I like the challenges in turn it can bring. The distance side, it's I'm going to have to see. That's all I could really say, to put it nicely, because it is shorter distance, where it's essentially the same distance as an A-Open on the iRacing service. That essentially makes all the races a one-stop. It really tightens up the time window for them. You heard Bobby Zelensky, for example, mention the impact, how it could affect some of the drivers, say, if you prefer a long-run car compared to a short-run car. It's really going to be intriguing how some of the drivers fare it in that type of a box. I think it will definitely pick up some of the official participation, possibly. I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of E-NASCAR drivers run a lot more official races now. But I'm not sure how it's going to fare out for the series when you have so much on the line, so many points on the line, so many thousands of dollars on the line, and you basically have a one-stop race to decide each round. I'm curious how it plays out. I'm not sure what your thoughts are, Taylor, though. Honestly, my thoughts, it's a catch-22. This is the top echelon of e-NASCAR competition, This co- the iRacing Coca-Cola World Championship. But one thing also is we live in a world where every time is everything. People want to only see a small bit of it and move on to the next deal. Now, I agree the races should be longer than an A Open. They should be more closer to what we see in the NASCAR Open or NASCAR Fix Series when they run that, their full ski season here coming up. But also, if you think about it, this could open the door to where we could see the return of the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series back to television. Since it's now going to be a shorter distance race, this opens it to where we could see it on Fox, NBC, Peacock, any one of those streaming services other than, of course, YouTube or, you know, Twitch. And we all know how many views and how many people were interested in the world of iRacing, especially back in 2020 when the pandemic started. So it could yeah. open a door 
but it's a mix of wait and see right now, which we will have to see here soon when the season kicks off on February 1st at the brand new LA Coliseum, which will be added to the virtual service that same week. So it's going to be exciting to see. But speaking of new, we have some new teams, some new drivers entering in the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. Our good friend Justin Melillo had made this wonderful chart to kind of help all of us keep track of who is going where and where is going, who, what teams are joining. And looking at the teams, we have, of course, 2311 returning with Clint Boyer Racing. Clickerman Sport, which was the original name, has changed over to E-Racer. Joe Gibbs Racing is, of course, returning with Latart Esports. Richmond Raceway Esports now is no, now known as Rise Esports. Space Station Gaming, Dylan Esports, William, Exet. Charlotte Phoenix makes their debut this season. Of course, Elliot Sadler, Jim Beaver, Junior Motorsports, Mode Motorsports, RFK, Stuart Haas, William Byron Esports, and the Wood Brothers. And one other team yet to be announced is going to be the biggest excitement. But looking through these drivers who have made their thumb, made their run so far, Justin, who are you surprised as far as who has made their run and who went where in this championship? Who I'm surprised about? Yeah, who are you surprised of which team they joined, per se? I think in terms of that regard, I'm interested more so on the decision-making, maybe towards the racer side, because they're essentially now into a whole group, different grouping, going with two new drivers for this season specifically. Derek Bordeaux, of course, lots of experience at this level. Colin Bowden has some experience, but it's been several years. I find that intriguing that they've essentially switched over their allegiance is tactical alliance wise to be able to align with uh, one of the bigger contingencies, quote unquote, to say the very least with a contingency with 15 plus drivers, we'll say. So I think that's an intriguing decision to go on that route for a lot of the others. I'm not too surprised because there was a lot of status quo, but there's also a lot of making sense of things with those connections with the technical alliance side, but also some of the teams now realizing if they don't have that connection, why not get the people who actually know each other or are friends with one another? Vicente and Donovan are the best example, Taylor. And we both know that Donovan worked on the box with Vicente much of the Coke season last season. So that connection repertoire and report is there. It certainly is. And of course, probably one of the interesting scenarios that we see out of these drivers and team selections that is going on right now. I had to go look at the Charlotte Phoenix team who bought their way in to compete in this championship. We've heard a lot of big things about the Charlotte Phoenix team, esports team making their debut recently in 2020, late in 2021, going into 2022, buying, of course, getting Graham Bolin in the 48 and Colin Keister, your 2021 contender series champion on board with them. One thing also I'm looking at is there is one team that was in last season that's not looking like it may make a return. It hasn't made any official announcements, but McLaren not returning so far for the 2022 campaign. William, of course, still staying strong, just switching their drivers. And I got to say, it's interesting to see that. Same thing with Space Station Gaming. They have yet to announce any drivers, especially now that Vicente has gone over to Williams. Malik Ray is, of course, a driver for them at one point, but not currently signed on with Space Station at this moment. Yeah, I'm very curious how officially how some of these groupings play things out, Taylor, because there's, of course, a lot of talk on where the exact landing spots are, but nothing concrete. 
from the actual groups themselves, an official document saying, this is where we're going. So it's going to be a roller coaster of emotions, to say the very least. I think for a couple of the drivers, especially involving that question mark of a 20th group. Certainly is. Of course, we'll bring you more information when it's released here on the iRacers download as we now come to a close to this week's episode as we say thank you for listening. For Justin Prince and for my our producer, Richard Colbreth, as well as for all of our guests who joined us here tonight, Zach Novak, Vicente Salas, as well as Kyle Petal and Bobby Zelensky, I'm Taylor Burris. Thank you for listening to the iRacers download on the Speedsport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media.